Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Nancy Grace, the shrill queen of cable network true crime and purveyor of controversial legal analysis. She spent the past couple of decades discussing national cases on networks ranging from CNN to HLN, all while rocking in a permanent stank face and the quintessential, can I speak with your manager haircut? To call her polarizing would be an understatement. She's had stellar ratings for many years, true, but she's also had numerous detractors. So is Nancy the overzealous, philosophically compromised screech owl of cable crime news? Or is she just a sincere victim's advocate with an unfortunate case of terminal bitch face and a hillbilly hairstylist? Today, we intend to adjudicate this very question by dragging the former prosecutor into our court. Asshole Court! All right, guys, let's get to the preliminary scores. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, so Nancy Grace, obviously you know her from TV. And, you know, kind of when I thought about her, I was trying to put my thoughts together for this, and I thought of the three S's, right? Shock jock, sensationalist, and showman. So really all of those three things kind of go into what I see her as. A lot of the times she expresses her very strong opinion, Mm -hmm. and when she's analyzing legal issues, Mm You need facts, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need opinions. And obviously her opinions are super strong in a very fact-based world. So Mm -hmm. again, sensationalist, showman, and a shock jock. My initial asshole score rating for Nancy Grace is 5.5. Okay. All right. All right, buddy. So I'm not a big fan of Nancy Grace. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of the 24-7 news outlets. Right. And she's all over those. And the problem is, is that she does interject a lot of her opinion into Mm -hmm. everything, but we're talking about legal cases here. You know, to me, it almost feels like she is an actress that never got her shot in the movies or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So so she's bringing it to the stage Mm -hmm. of 24-7 News. And the problem is, is that those are some of the people that get the most fired up and cause a lot of the noise that you hear about in the news. And it's just one big cycle. Yeah. So I feel like she doesn't do a responsible job of what she should be doing. Mm Given that, I'm going to score her pretty high right off of the rip. Okay. I think that the damage that she can do from her shows on CNN and stuff like that, the way that they can incite people and just get them all fired up over misinformation really just doesn't sit well for me. So my initial asshole score for Nancy Grace is going to be a 6.0. Okay. 6.0. And uh, yeah, this was my selection. So I obviously have a distaste for her, which is why I selected her for the show. (laughs) She's a bomb thrower, dude. That's at least my opinion before I did research. It speaks volumes about me personally, that uh, one of the reasons I dislike her so much is that it's very hard to look at her face. Yes. Uh, It's (laughs) it's superficial. It's childish, but there's certain people whose faces bother me and she's one of them. 
Uh, and, you know, but yeah, everything you guys said uh, seemed accurate, you know, especially before I went in to do the research or whatever. I'll give her a five. I'm not aware of any crimes that she committed before I did research or anything like that. So she's uh, obviously not an average person on asshole. She's a step above that. So I would have started with a five. Awesome. All right. Good deal. Pre-show asshole score rating for Nancy Grace is a 5.5. All right. So let's get into Nancy Grace, guys. Nancy Ann Grace is born in Macon, Georgia on October 23rd, 1959. Side note, I just want to point out here that her initials are NAG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Man, so fitting. Odd coincidence, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's like her parents Southern knew Bell. somehow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's the youngest of three children. Her mom is a factory worker and her dad is a freight agent for Southern Railway. She attends Windsor Academy in Macon a private high school which was set up in 1970 to be a school for white students whose parents didn't want to take part in federally mandated integration at the time. I mean, honestly, her vibe kind of gives off a private school vibe, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. I mean, just a little hoity-toity, a little elitist. Well, it's a private school is one thing, but a private school that's set up to avoid <laughs> integration, yeah. yes, is... Uh, Yikes. And obviously, she doesn't have much of a say in this matter, and a rational person wouldn't fault her for the choices of her parents, but... If I were to speak of this like a muckraking cable news personality, one such as Grace herself, I might frame it like this. Now, I'm not saying that Nancy Grace is a racist, but attending a private school funded with the stated goal of prolonging institutional racism does speak volumes about where her mind was then. Does Nancy Grace hate black people or does she just hate going to school with them? I mean, I'm not accusing her, of course, but it is a perfectly reasonable question to ask. After the break, we'll discuss the damning truth that Grace never dated a black man and debate whether that was because she was a white supremacist. <laughs> anyway, Grace is a very good student and a varsity cheerleader. She graduates Windsor in 1977 and attends Valdosta State. She eventually transfers to Mercer University, and as a big fan of Shakespearean literature, she intends on becoming an English professor. And if you don't know, Mercer is a pretty prestigious school. Very oh, good it's school. Very, very nice yes. school. But well, that kind of makes sense. She was into a lot of Shakespearean literature because what she does is very Shakespearean by oh, nature. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. buddy, you tapped into this on yeah. your intro about an actress that never made it, right? Yeah, exactly. Studied Shakespeare. Yep. Yeah. But her plans would be unexpectedly changed when in 1979... When she got pregnant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a little different than that. In 1979, her fiancé, Keith Griffin, whom she just met as a freshman at Valdosta State, was gunned down in a tragic case of mistaken identity. Oh, yikes. Oh. Damn, now I feel bad. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Sorry about all that. I Damn. imagine the pregnancy would have been much more welcome. I didn't know you were going to die right into the fiance. I knew about the fiance dying. I didn't know that was the next step in the process. Yeah, here. there's not much to talk about with Keith Griffin. <sighs> yeah, I tried to find a little bit about it, but yeah, he was working construction. That's bad, man, that's just—it's unfortunate for yeah, sure. That's I mean, terrible. he's working construction, and he decides to take his boss's jeep to buy lunch for the crew. When he gets out, a man approaches and shoots him multiple times, thinking that he's his boss. Oh, oh the disgruntled yeah. worker. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Now, according to Nancy, the shooter had a long and violent rap sheet. Also, according to her, there were three long days of deliberation by the jury following the murder. The guy who did it said that he did not do it, said he was innocent or whatever. And ultimately, she was asked by the prosecutor whether she believed that the man that killed her fiancé should get the death penalty. She said no. She said she didn't have the heart for it, and the prosecutor acquiesced. But as it turns out, that wasn't true, really. For one thing, the shooter didn't have a long history of violence. There's no rap sheet for this guy at all. Second, he was convicted by a jury within a couple hours. Third, he didn't plead guilty. He admitted to the crime. Then he pled not guilty because he was trying to reframe. Man, so it was just kind of a, a fit of rage. 
Yes, exactly. And lastly, the prosecutor did ask for the death penalty, but was denied. Mm. So, you know, she lied. Shocker. Yeah. Setting a pattern already. Or, well, hang on. Showman, right? Sensationalist. Yeah. This is yeah. all because yeah. she wrote about all this in her autobiography, I believe. Okay. And then she got called on it. Uh, yes. And they were like, this doesn't even match it's up. Funny when that happens. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, you know, I just, I don't even like to think about that time. So here's the deal. Yeah. Well, then don't write about it. Exactly. Thank you. That's the yeah. thing. You know what I mean? That's the thing. There's no need to embellish. You know what I'm saying? That's There's no need to embellish the story. Everybody has sympathy for you in this case. If you write a book and you talk about something like that, you don't think you're going to be asked about that in interviews and I know, you fact-checked on right, it? Right, you know right, what I mean? right. Like, Especially when you're like a national celebrity to an extent. You know what I mean? People are going to fact-check this stuff. But I, like I said, look, to some extent, I'll give her a pass. Sure. In the sense that, you know, it's a difficult time. That's the thing. It, it, that's hard, man. Maybe she yeah. misremembered or right. I, I don't know, you know. Uh, obviously, she's devastated, man. She drops out of school. She falls into a lengthy depression and moves up to Philadelphia to live with her sister. At some point, she decides to redirect her grief into a purpose. And she decides to return to Mercer, finish her bachelor's, and get her law degree, which she does. Then she goes up to NYU, the School of Law, and gets an advanced legal studies degree. And you can say whatever you want about Nancy Grace, but that bitch can school it up, dude. Yeah. Hey. I was just about to say, you can tell she is smart. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely very intelligent. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's very intelligent. Yeah. I know? mean, well, you know, you can be really great at school and still not be like a creative or a critical thinker, but she obviously was very good at school. You know, mm -hmm. most people couldn't do what she did, no. especially yeah, sure. post grief or whatever. You yeah, know? sure. So, after NYU, she comes back down to Georgia, where she teaches at Georgia State University College of Law. She eventually leaves academia behind and takes a job as a special prosecutor for the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Now, for all the listeners that aren't familiar with Georgia's geography, Fulton County is basically Atlanta. Downtown yeah, Atlanta right. and yeah, shooting northward. That's right, yeah. Yep. yep. Honestly, there's a lot of uh, pretty raunchy crime in Fulton County. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. We, and there's been a lot of debate geographically. The, the, the counties up north want to annex themselves away from it mm -hmm. because they don't want to be associated with the downtown. But there is a lot of uh, I think she was tasked with like murders and oh, absolutely, pretty yeah. hardcore stuff. I mean, and there's a lot of that. In, take any in major County. city in the country. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm absolutely. Saying? So she's going to see a lot of action, you know, as the special prosecutor. Would that have been the time to commit a crime in Fulton County? When Tell she's us in more, there? Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So yeah, there's no denying that Grace had an absolutely spectacular career as a prosecutor. She spent the first three years on smaller, nonviolent cases before taking up her first felony murder case. She ended up racking up an unbeaten streak as a prosecutor of arguably over 100 cases. Wow. Man. Never lost a case. I mean, you go home after so many of those and you just you start I mean, to feel invincible. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, what kind of celebration would, would you guys have? After my 100th case, that's not perfect yeah, as, a, as a prosecuting attorney, let's just say you got 80 in a row. At this point, what are you doing at 80? Well, I'm in Atlanta. I'm going to go eat 80 hot wings. There you go. I was about to say, I'm about to go hit up the evidence locker and pull the Coke out. <laughs> Coca-Cola. It's Atlanta, people. Exactly. Nope. It's but not Pepsi. Yeah, get your hands out of the gutter. <laughs> Number 100. You know, you're just butt naked dancing around in your house. See, that's what I'm talking about, the butt naked dancing. I'd probably, have I'd have some sort of ritual at that point, I think. You have to feel I'd come like home a... and stare in the mirror, do some weird shit. And... <laughs> Not in, that. In the but, mirror. You know, admire myself, <laughs> yeah. you know. Put on your suit or whatever, just real drunk, <laughs> looking in the mirror. The prosecution rests, your honor. <laughs> My wife's like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> Duh, taking a dump, just leave me alone. 
Congratulations on your... I know! I'm the boss! Man. Uh, according to Grace, she claimed that her success laid in her ability to humanize the victim. She considered herself not just an attorney, but an advocate for the victim. She said she got a lot of this because of her experience in dealing with the court case with her fiancé. Fiancé, yeah. One of her contemporaries, an Atlanta defense attorney named Renee Rockwell, had this to say, quote, With Nancy, it's always personal. Her victims are like members of her family, and her cases are like crusades. She became notorious for her dramatic displays in the courtroom. According to an Atlanta Magazine article from 1996, she, quote, embraces her cases with a degree of emotional intimacy and intensity that blurs the line between prosecutor and victim. But her success and her self-appointed title of victim's advocate didn't come without some negatives. She made enemies with a lot of defense attorneys. I can imagine. Yeah. And like, if you're not familiar with the way courts work, it may sound good, but it really isn't. Because believe it or not, prosecutors and defense attorneys often work together to get the best outcome in some cases, like plea bargains and whatever. Sure. It's not just one trial that you're facing against them. It's the same people that you see week in and week out. Yeah. Yeah. And you hit it on the head earlier, Mikey, when you were talking about how the resting bitch face, she's a very unlikable person. Yes. Like first glance. And it's having to work with her, obviously. Well, it's some of her tactics were problematic for the defense attorneys. You know what I mean? They didn't feel like it was. We're about to get into that. Fair. Like I said, it's a thing where people don't realize that, like, you know, in the movies, you win the case and you're basically like, fuck you, defense attorney. You spike the football in their face and you go onto the bar and you pour shots for everybody. And then the John, Grisham, roll and, yeah, yeah. John Grisham writes a novel about you. But the reality is these people work it day to day with each other, man. And like I said, a lot of times, you know, you'll see conversations where the defense attorney will come to the prosecutor and be like, look, my guy, if he pleads guilty, will you do this? And if you can have those interactions, that speeds the cases up for the court. Mm-hmm. It oh, slows, it, it, instead of bogging down the court docket, with those battles, that's why a lot of cases don't even go to trial. Right. But, uh, yeah, local defense attorneys were constantly annoyed with her courtroom antics and dramatics. They accused her of intimidating witnesses and withholding evidence. They said that she only took cases that were slam dunks, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about it. Do you have the option to take whatever case you want? As yeah, a basically, attorney? yeah. A lot of times, that's another thing people don't realize, too. Like, prosecutors, they like detectives basically have to build up a case. Sure. And then they have to take it to a prosecutor or whatever to try to get an indictment. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor is the one that chooses whether it's going to go to whether a grand jury. Whether or not jury. there's enough uh, information there to proceed. Right, yeah. exactly. They decide whether it goes to a grand jury. Now, uh, this is as far as I know. I'm not an attorney. So if anybody out there knows better, you can always correct me on this one. But what happens a lot of times is they're like, it becomes a political situation too, where they're like, I don't think I can win that case. You don't have enough evidence. I'm not sending it to a grand jury. Right. And it gets shelved. Right, right, right. It happens all the time. Yep. So that's what their argument was, that she did that a lot. And so, you know, 100 victories with no losses sounds great. But if the defense attorneys are correct and she's, you know, cherry picking cases, not quite as impressive. You're the kid kid hanging out by your goal and wreck basketball and they're getting the rebound and sling it all the way down court and you just lay it up. Yeah, it happens all the time, too. It's not just Nancy Grace. Happens all the time. But yeah, in 1995, a defense counsel named Dennis Scheib filed a pretrial motion asking that Grace be prevented from wearing, quote, inappropriate attire, such as low cut blouses and short skirts that show off her figure. A number of attorneys claimed that she did this, saying that she would wear low cut clothing and would bend over in front of the jury boxes (laughs) to try and sway the jury, which was a lot of men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He said, quote, you need three lawyers to try a case with Nancy Grace, two to watch her and one to argue the case. So he's basically saying, like, she's constantly pulling these bullshit tactics. 
you know, it's ethically questionable. I got to throw it out Bullshit there, tactics, if, theatrics, if, you know. If I am a female prosecuting attorney mm-hmm. and I have a decent figure, hey, if you have tools, use them, right? Is That's there, not what it, courtrooms are set up is for, it right? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask a group of, I'm just saying that if you have any kind of advantage yeah. to play and it's within the rules, because mm-hmm. it abs- if your attire, again, if it's absolutely inappropriate, no. But if you have the ability to play within the rules and gain an advantage, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Especially, and in, in, I'm not, I am not fucking glorifying her at all, mm-hmm. but as a female prosecuting attorney, you're probably one of the very few female prosecuting yeah, attorneys during, during that time. time too. You've got to do something to differentiate yourself and to make a name for yourself, which will kind of roll right into the next part of her career. Yeah. Right? See, this is where I'm going to play devil's advocate. Absolutely, because I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. You know, I'm well not saying that's like my yeah. hard opinion, but I, if you have st- an advantage to play, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you guys know, I like odds, I like poker, yeah, I love sure. all If you have an advantage and you gain an advantage on your competition, you have to be able to use that to win. Right. Not when other people's lives are at stake. When you okay, I like I know that you like odds, you like poker and stuff like that. It's one thing when you're on the poker table sure. and you want to wear a low cut shirt and you know maybe you know like get people to fold a little bit more cuz they don't want to be going in against you and uh, stuff yeah. like that. So we're those cut off jean shorts with a hole in them. I love those shorts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> lean back, show my nutsack to you. Guys. Oh man, I get woody every time. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. This is a different ball game. People's lives are at stake. So that's, that's where I, I don't agree with you on that, Randy. And like I said, I don't even think that's my hard opinion. Right. I'm just saying that if you have that advantage and if it's within the rules, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're playing within the rules and... You can see why it's upsetting to defense attorneys. Think about any other, like, think about a, a another defense attorney that would dress, you know, super sharp mm-hmm. or um, dress a certain way to make themselves stand out, yeah. right? They would do that to make themselves stand out mm-hmm. and and essentially try to sway the jurors' image yeah. of them, right? Because well, sure. that's what you're really trying to do is sway the jurors to your side. Well, yeah, but it, it's like there's a difference between dressing to look like you're experienced and professional, and then also like Showing sexual, titties. yeah, 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 yeah like no, sexualizing. But that's the thing, like how hot is Nancy Grace? I well, she was younger than ninety. She was pretty cute, to all be right, honest. All right. Well, well, and the other thing yeah. too is like think about think about the mindset where you're like, all right, I have to prosecute this guy, and I'm going for the death penalty case, and if I just show a little bit of titty. If I just <laughs> show a little bit of nip. Yeah, just, you know what I mean? She goes, juror number eight is super thirsty for me. I can tell. <laughs> she says, I want you guys to understand that he murdered this entire family. <laughs> and her boob pops out a little bit. <laughs> oh, did that just happen? <laughs> Pardon me. The defense rests right on your jaw. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. As you mindlessly scroll through your phone while waiting in line for coffee, like us on all your favorite social media platforms. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AHC Podcast. Thanks for your support. Back to Asshole Court. Oh, man. All right. Another Atlanta defense attorney, Jack Martin, claimed that Grace would also ostentiously thumb through a Bible while the defense was cross-examining one of her witnesses. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Showman, right? Like, wow. 
Yeah, I hate this shit. Yeah. One time in a particular now is that is that cited that that yeah okay yeah oh thumbing dude, through the Bible I, court I would never make this up and put it on here I swear to God it's this is now again this is what Jack Martin a defense attorney is saying so that'd be awesome if she's thumbing through the Bible and then the other side's thumbing through like Playboy yeah and yeah. somebody gets a picture of that I just think that'd be uh, yeah that'd I don't be even cool why would the fuck would you have a Bible in the first place but right. whatever I mean in the courtroom right exactly right, right. yeah yeah I don't mean it like that you can have a Bible <laughs> you want but I'm saying in the, in the courtroom I don't understand it you know. But yeah, one time in a particularly stupid and dramatic approach, Grace called a drug-sniffing dog as a witness in a cocaine trafficking case. Are you case. fucking kidding me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, bark twice she says, if you found the coke. Ladies Anna. and gentlemen of the court, I present to you Mr. Biggles. Mr. Biggles <laughs> is a veteran of the Atlanta Police Department, the K-9 unit. Mr. Biggles, did you notice that the white powder that was in Mr. Smith's trunk, did you notice that it was cocaine? Roo, roo, roo. Yeah, dude, but no, I can't even imagine. First of all, what kind of judge allows that? You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, yeah, we'll allow it. And then the dog sits up in there. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, the dog's just sitting there. <laughs> well, this was the sequel to the Disney movie Air Bud, Lawyer Bud. <laughs> when he wags his tail, it means that he's really happy and he's going to answer yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And it could be argued that these defense attorneys were exhibiting signs of frustration and jealousy after Grace put notches in their loss columns. But the reality is that the complaints also came from elsewhere. As an Atlanta prosecutor, Grace was cited three times by appellate courts for failing to meet her ethical responsibilities. Mm-hmm. In 1994, Georgia's highest court overturned the conviction of a heroin trafficker, citing that Grace had made an improper final argument. Apparently, she improperly inflamed the jury by mentioning in her closing arguments a completely unrelated triple homicide and serial rape case. Had nothing to do with the case at hand, but was getting the jurors riled up. So, yes, like I said, it would be one thing. Someone's upset about it, but the appellate court ruled on that so it one. So like an ethical violation, Exa- right? That's exactly what it is. Okay. 97, the court, again, appellate court, reversed a murder and an arson conviction Grace had secured, chastising her for, quote, an extensive pattern of inappropriate and, in some cases, illegal conduct, including her decision to allow a CNN camera crew to film her inside the defendant's house to which she had gained entry through a search warrant. So, what? Uh, streak is over, boys, right? Well, no, no, no she secured it, but then it was overturned. That's what I'm saying. So, you it, still it, catch the win. You catch it, but, but do you catch the L too? Mm. If it gets overturned? I think so. This is why we're talking about it. I think so. In an appellate court. The most recent of these admonitions came in 2005 when a published opinion from the U.S. 11th Circuit Court of Appeals concurred with lower court filings that Grace had, quote, played fast and loose with her ethical duties as a prosecutor in a 1990 triple murder case. The lower courts had admonished Grace for failing to disclose the existence of other suspects in the case and for knowingly allowing a police detective to testify falsely regarding the matter. Now, look, I go for the W, okay? (laughs) Who cares if I kind of push some evidence to the side or if I let somebody come up onto the stand? I go for the W, I win. That's what I do. So, it is justify the means, y'all. So to kind of piggyback off what I was talking about earlier, I was saying she had to play her advantage, and then now she's cheating. Yeah, so at this point, like, yeah, that's, that's just makes that a cool. mockery of the, yeah, that's, uh, of that's, the that's a good, that's a good justice system. Well, yeah. I would argue this. The mockery is showing titties. The actual, like, ethical failing, the moral failure of this. You're bad at your job. Is, well, it's not, and bad decision no. making. It's not even bad. Ethically, you, you, just are, wrong. you are a bad person right, yes. right, right. for doing this, for allowing a police detective to testify falsely. You knew their testimony was false. 
and you allowed you it. went with it. Yeah, dude. That's the difference. And this is the problem that people have with Nancy Grace is that she is overzealous. Like she became this, like the lady said, it's a crusade. It's not a case. Mm-hmm. But that's unfortunate for the person that's on the receiving end of this crusade. So she's playing with people's lives. Yeah. And that's yeah. uh, it's one thing to get up there and act like that when you're in a movie or something like that. Yeah. But to get up there on stage and treat the courtroom like your actor studio. Oh, yeah. As, uh, and determine people's outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and in yeah. a case like that, like my opinion, like if you knowingly let false testimony be admitted, like if you do that intentionally, if you set it up, like you should be disbarred. 100%. You know what I mean? And I mean, and I these guess, aren't misdemeanor cases too. I mean, these no, are all no, like these felony, are huge, like yeah. murder cases and stuff like that. But regardless of these questionable ethics, Nancy had success in very high profile cases, which ultimately caught the attention of court TV. They signed her on to host Closing Arguments, the network's live daily trial coverage show. She later co-hosted Cochran and Grace with none other than Johnny Cochran, and then went on to earn an Emmy nomination with the daytime show Swift Justice. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Do you guys remember the attorney in Seinfeld, Jackie Childs? Yeah, yeah, that was based. That was on, based off of Johnny Cochran. Absolutely, absolutely was based. Your face is my case. <laughs> <laughs> told Kramer against the uh, tobacco company. He even looked like him. And then <laughs> Kramer looked him. <laughs> uh, and the tobacco company's <laughs> rep came in. And she's like, you know, I think Mr. Kramer portrays a uh, rusted masculinity, and he yeah. looks at her. And he's like, oh yeah, do you know? <laughs> that was the, the coffee case was there too when he spilled the coffee on himself or yeah. whatever. And then they they settled out of court for it was free coffee anytime. <laughs> and uh, what was his name he again? Fucking- Jackie Child. Jackie Child. He got pissed. Yeah. Oh, remember what Kramer did in the tobacco case? He got his face as that he was the Marble Man at Times Square. And Jackie right. Child is like, "What do you mean they called you?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's the settlement." And uh, it's Kramer's face in Times Square. That's it. Absolutely. Nice. And I feel like I have a Seinfeld reference in every show. Yeah, well, you <laughs> love Seinfeld. It's all right. I love Seinfeld too. In 2005, Nancy Grace began hosting a primetime legal analysis show called Nancy Grace on CNN Headline News, which is now uh, HLN. So the Nancy Grace show would prove to be the pinnacle of her career as a TV personality. At its peak, she drew four and a half million viewers on a single episode. Woo! The day of the Casey Anthony verdict. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So the Nancy Grace show. It was a weird case, man. It was a very strange case, yeah. Casey Anthony. We might do a show on her someday. I think we should probably. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So the Nancy Grace show was where America really got to know the former prosecutor. And sometimes they didn't like what they saw. You think? Yep. Now, there's a long list of controversies that stem from Nancy Grace and her show. Please feel free to browse her Wikipedia page to get the list and see what I'm talking about. But I'm just going to highlight the major ones. And let's start with the infamous Duke Lacrosse case. If you don't recall the case... The quick recap is that in early 2006, a private exotic dancer named Crystal Mangum was hired by the Duke lacrosse team. She claims to have been assaulted, racially harassed, and raped by numerous members of the team. It was a huge story. It was on the cover of magazines. Every These guys were persecuted to hell and back. And Nancy Grace didn't waste any time jumping into the fray. She immediately was convinced of the players' guilt and mocked them on air in the very first days following the alleged event by saying things like, I'm so glad they didn't miss a lacrosse game over a little thing like gang rape. And in the same exchange, when a defense attorney pointed out that the players were young people that were not familiar with the law, which might be why they didn't immediately submit the DNA request while they were discussing their legal rights with their attorneys, she said, You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. At age 17, you know where my father was? He was on a fighter ship halfway around the world, representing his country, about to die for his country. 
you know what? Don't talk to me about how young they are. All right. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, first of all, what does her father's experience in World War II have to do with the Duke Lacrosse rape case? Have like, anything is, to do with zero. it? That is what you zero. Call, yeah. This is what you call in critical thinking an appeal to emotion. Right. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Get That's people invested. Yes. And on your side, mm -hmm. stir that emotion and then fucking ride it all the way to the fucking yeah, It goes back to shock jock, right? Yeah. Shock and, jock, just trying to get. In a, in a reaction from your listener. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's an easy, cheap ploy because everybody is like, hell yeah, her grandfather fought in World War II and we could have died. Hell yeah. But then, like I said, that's people that are What the hell really, does that have to do with the exactly. Duke of Cross players? But there's a ton of people watching the show and that's, so she's getting it's, hyped It's just up. kind of built in validity, they think. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's just, it's yeah. a cheap ploy, dude. But like I said, over the following weeks, she spent a lot of time on air dragging the Duke lacrosse team. Like, yep. she was on top of it. She was on a mission. She was. But, of course, as the investigation would ultimately prove, the Duke lacrosse team was innocent of the charges. Yep. Oh, surprise, surprise. That's Man, right. I felt bad. When that came out, those guys were drugged through the mud. Just, I remember seeing all their mug shots. Mm -hmm. Literally, I think, I don't remember what magazine it was, like Time. It was everything. It was it, everywhere. I mean, it was I everywhere. Think it was like 19 players or something like mm -hmm. that were implicated. It was just You can. I didn't even, terrible, I didn't man. have a particular interest in the case really in any yeah i didn't dig deep into it when it was happening but you couldn't escape it it was like i don't know man like a justin bieber song or something it just was everywhere, everywhere. absolutely yeah and then we have the elizabeth smart case Ooh. quick recap on elizabeth smart on june 25th 2002 when 14 year old elizabeth smart was abducted from the bedroom of her salt lake city home that story made national headlines yep everybody heard about that mm -hmm. that's right pretty quickly nancy zooms in on a suspect the Smart family's handyman, Richard Ricci. She goes on air repeatedly and all but proclaims Ricci's guilt in the kidnapping after he had been arrested for stealing jewelry from the Smart house. Right. Ricci actually ultimately died in prison of a brain hemorrhage. Yeah. And this occurred while Grace continued to point the finger in his direction. And then, of course, in March of 2003, Elizabeth escapes her captors who are definitively not the now-deceased Richard Ricci. And had nothing to do with that guy. Nothing. And I wonder if the stress of the situation he was in caused him to... That's what the argument is. Yeah, certainly. When Larry King later asked if she felt any guilt about, quote, all the wax that Grace took at an innocent Mr. Ricci on her show, Grace responded, No, I don't. I'm not going on a guilt trip. And I'm not letting you take the police with me on a guilt trip. Later on in 2006, Elizabeth Smart actually appears on Nancy Grace's show to talk about a bill that she was supporting and wanted passed in Congress that would help kidnap victims. But Nancy Grace, who, as we mentioned, got the case dead wrong, wanted to ask Smart about her time as an abductee. After oh, and Elizabeth, she was like, look, I really don't want to talk about yeah. this. After Smart politely declined to discuss her personal experience, stating that she didn't feel comfortable talking about it then, and asked Grace to talk more about the legislation, Grace said that she would, but quickly reverted back to asking personal questions about Smart's abduction and experiences while kidnapped. Finally, Smart had enough and interjected after yet another personal question, this one about her supposedly wearing a burqa while she was kidnapped, by saying, quote, you know, I'm really not going to talk about this at this time. I mean, that's something I just don't even want to look back at. And I really, to be frankly honest, I really don't appreciate you bringing all this up. And good on her for doing that. I mean, yeah. not a lot of people would have the balls to come back and be like, I don't appreciate you constantly coming back to this mm -hmm. after I've said I don't want to talk about it. And here's how these things work is your people talk to their people. They tell you what the interview questions that's are exactly going right. to be. 
right? They, yep. You're supposed to know what they're going to ask you. And if they go off script and all of a sudden start busting your balls about very detailed stuff, like you said, you don't want to revisit. That's yeah. stuff you try to suppress. She was yeah. nice about it right. in the beginning. She been answered a, fucking, a couple of fucking yeah, questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then was like, look, I don't want to talk about this. And Nancy Grace just kept on coming back and because coming back. Because she wanted that salacious soundbite. You would think this is what the tabloid grabbing people would want. Is oh, absolutely. The, oh, yeah. dirty, the dirty dirt on what happened while you were captured. I mean, good night, man. Well, they, 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 they literally want a soundbite. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. that lasts about five to ten seconds that they can run on commercials. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. You know, the only reason she shows up on that show is because she wants to push this legislation through. Exactly. That's, That's all it. she's trying to do. It's like why an actor shows up on the Conan O'Brien yeah. show. They're promoting the new movie. Yeah. She's on there trying to promote the legislation yeah. to help people that are in the same situation she was in. You That's know? exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. Finally, we have the Melinda Duckett incident. Melinda Duckett was a 21-year-old mother whose two-year-old son, Trenton, went missing from their Leesburg, Florida home. The story gets national coverage, and Melinda agrees to go on the Nancy Grace show. During parts of the show, Grace goes into prosecutor mode, basically, and starts badgering Melinda Duckett over whether or not she would take a polygraph, what she had been up to prior and during the disappearance. Here's a quick sample. Right. Why aren't you telling us and giving us a clear picture of where you were before your son was kidnapped? Because I'm not going to put those kind of details out. Why? Because I was told not to. Mrs. Duckett, you are not telling us for a reason. What is that reason? You refuse to give us even the simplest facts of where you were with your son before he went missing. It is day 12. Long story short, shortly after the taping, Melinda Duckett goes home, writes a note about being ridiculed and criticized over the disappearance of her son. She places the note on the dashboard of her car, goes inside, puts a shotgun under her chin, and pulls the trigger. Oh, my God. And the day that she committed suicide... Nancy Grace aired that show that day anyways. Yeah, they caught a lot of shit for that, too. Duckett's family would later go on to sue Nancy Grace, the Nancy Grace show, and the suit was later settled out of court. Did they find the kid? No. No, they never found the kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah, no. Man. Side note, in an ironic twist, during the deposition for the suit, Nancy Grace filed a legal request to block any filming of the proceedings. Oh, Why? yeah. Why? Well, exactly. Because she didn't want to be seen. She didn't want it to be aired publicly. Mm-hmm. That was her bread and butter was airing the grievances of others, viewing their court cases on the national stage. But she didn't want hers. hers. That's right. Yeah. No. Later, when asked if she felt any guilt over Duckett's suicide, Grace would say, If anything, I would suggest that guilt made her commit suicide. To suggest that a 15 or 20 minute interview can cause someone to commit suicide is focusing on the wrong thing. Now, quick take on the Duckett case, because I looked into this fairly heavily. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that Melinda Duckett had something to do with her son's disappearance. Mm -hmm. It does seem like the evidence points towards it. It does. There was a lot of weird stuff about it. But the problem is that by badgering her about it, by trying to prosecute on television for the purpose of a ratings win, she very well may have pushed this woman over the edge, and instead of getting answers and justice, Trenton's family is really just left with more grief and questions. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. Her parents now have a grandson gone and their daughter gone. Yeah. Right? yeah. And they 100%. don't really know why. They don't know why, and that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. I was like, when you push somebody over the edge like that, the best way that this could have possibly happened, and again, maybe she didn't have anything to do with her son's abduction. I'm just saying, like, this is why you have court proceedings. Right. This is what the court is supposed to do. Exactly. Gather the evidence. She needs to be indicted. She needs to be put up there. But instead, 
she went for the court of public opinion yeah and and that's the best case scenario the worst case scenario is that she had nothing to do with it and killed herself over it over the grief of it yes because i mean like i mean she could have been i mean playing devil's advocate Mm -hmm. she could have been going through a big depression about losing her son Mm -hmm. not knowing where it is and now you got this lady who's attacking her on live tv and now she's getting death threats mm-hmm. all sorts of calls people absolutely. like driving past how, her house you know you know how society works that happens oh yeah, it absolutely, absolutely does it's yeah. not hard to put i mean to be embarrassed on a national stage i mean people kill themselves from getting embarrassed at school yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly you know what i mean but that's the problem i mean nancy grace has a long history of like ambushing people mm-hmm. right we just saw it a number of times she did it to diamond dallas page oh in yeah 2014 she did. he showed up to talk about the ultimate warrior he came out and made a statement that was like, she invited me on the show. I thought I was going to be talking about the Ultimate Warrior, who was a friend of mine and I respected greatly. And she turned in this whole thing about steroid abuse. Yeah, she just kept on coming back to it and yeah. coming back to it. And claiming not just that it was Ultimate Warrior, but like all of these wrestlers that die are because of steroids. It was again. It and was a lot of them had no tie to drugs it, or steroids. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's and, true. and sidebar. I mean, those two guys, DDP and the Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. talk about story careers and huge fans sitting right here. Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. fucking love the Ultimate Warrior, and I love some DDP. DDP came on later in life. He kind of rode under the radar for a long time. He was a fairly older wrestler when he hit prime time and got yep. his heavyweight championship yep, yep. and the diamond cutter was like i wasn't thing. a big fan of him then but as a person he's a cool ass person and now. his story now is actually pretty cool yeah. so he yeah. was really beat up and broken down yeah. and started ddp yoga yeah. and it is you know you can watch oh it's gimmicky he's got a lot of testimony i mean mm-hmm. it's successful well that's There's why that yeah. one guy that's on there that wasn't ever gonna like walk again oh, or something like, a war like that vet, weighed yeah. like 350 like was, a, yeah. a hawaiian guy or yep, something yep, like that that's him that's well that's him. why he wanted to talk about ultimate warrior because the ultimate warrior constantly was shouting out about how much ddp yoga had helped him out yeah, and stuff like mm-hmm. that and he's like so she caught a lot of shit for this dude like she went on the jim norton show and dude they laid into her they were like it's just unfair what you do the way you did this was just a complete ambush and she ended up walking off of the show like she was good yeah, I wish, exactly she i wish she would have walked off stage to diamond dallas page waiting in a diamond cutter <laughs> Now, what was good that came of this was that the WWE made a blanket request that none of the wrestlers ever go on her show right. ever again. And Smart it's been move. fulfilled ever since, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know of any other wrestlers that I mean, Why would you? You saw what happens, you know? Hey, guys, real quick. If you're liking the show, do us a favor and give us that sweet, sweet five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're catching us on. It makes a huge difference. Now back to asshole court. So now for some lighter stuff. In uh, January of 2014, following the legalization of recreational marijuana in Colorado, Grace went on to CNN and said that legalizing marijuana for recreational use was a horrible idea and people that used marijuana were fat and lazy. She followed this up by saying that anyone who disagreed with her was lethargic, sitting on the sofa, eating chips. I disagree. The people that might disagree with her are kayaking down a river mm-hmm. with a ponytail and a little stash in their pocket yeah. for the next little pull off on yeah. the river. Yeah. Or running a major insurance company. Yeah. One of the guys that or running a major men's clothing company. That's right. Yeah. Did Lord any Zimmerman. of y'all see the interview that she did with Two Chains? I did. This? It was beautiful. It was a uh-uh. it was a debate. It was a debate. And Two Chains, who I want to point out has some of the greatest lyrics of all time, like the one that he said I call her fat booty because her booty's so fat. 
<laughs> I gotta hold on. I have to look up that lyric. I just butchered that lyric for any two chain fans out there, but it is fantastic. It's it's really hilarious. But he buried her. He buried her. <laughs> he buried her. Yeah. It was bullshit. She tried to ambush him as well, mm-hmm. and she basically caught one video of this guy that was trying to get his two year old son or daughter to smoke weed. Right. Oh lord. And you know what? People get their kids to try to drink beer. And That's right. That was yeah. the argument that he brought right back. Yeah. He was like, you're taking a very small percentage of the community yeah. and just blacklisting all of us. It's called but a hey, straw man argument. Yeah. But hey, you know what? We can run these same exact facts against alcohol. Yeah. And oh, yeah. She was like, I don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, of course you don't. Yeah. I personally believe that old bitch face Grace would be well served with a couple of good bong rips. This is a legit invitation. Nancy. You're an ATL gal. We're in the same neighborhood. Now, I don't even smoke weed anymore. But if you want, I'm totally willing to track down some real quality dank. And we can just hang out, smoke one, and maybe get to see a cooler side of you. Well, Mike, normally I would say no to that. But I just had some twins, and they're driving me fucking insane. (laughs) So, yes, I will take you up on your offer. It would be awesome if we got to smoke weed with Nancy Grace. I would probably break down and partake and well I would honestly I would just be like this is cool dude we just bombed your ass on a show you come out and take smoke some weed with us like I don't even smoke weed anymore but I would be willing to do it although I would probably get real weird and be like please don't talk to me anymore <laughs> please don't show me your titties yeah. <laughs> in 2016 Nancy Grace's show on HLN is finally and perhaps thankfully canceled woohoo but she just recently returned in July of last year with a new show on Oxygen called Injustice with Nancy Grace. Fuck. So I don't believe we've heard the last of old Nancy Grace here. You haven't heard the last of me, Mike. (laughs) I'm telling you. That's it. That's Nancy Grace. All right. Final scores. All right. So going through what we learned today, again, kind of goes back to what I talked about in my intro. Big showman. Definitely a shock jock. And just kind of showed her ass throughout her career. The things that I don't like are the fact that she falsified information when people's lives and their outcome were on the mm-hmm. line, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That doesn't sit well with me. Imagine if you're on the receiving end of that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're a guy that's being accused of something that you might have done, you might not have done, but either way, you feel like you are you know, being shed in a different light than you really are. Or that your case isn't being taken seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So know what we know about her and taking into account what we learned today about Nancy Grace my final asshole rating is going to be 6.0. 6.0. All right. For me, I'm in line with Randy on this. I, I, it doesn't sit well with me that she would put other people's lives in jeopardy just to try and push her career forward. We've dealt with a lot of different types of assholes here on Asshole Court. You know, we've got the John Gotti's who ran the mob and did their own thing. Had people killed. Had people killed. You know, killed we, themselves. Yeah, exactly. Killed, robbed, stole. Yeah. We've also had the flip side to that. The Justin Bieber's who were just, you know, growing up in the public eye and being an asshole day to day, but really just being a teenager at the end of the day. But Nancy Grace, she's playing with people's lives and she's also inciting a lot of people to tune into the 24 seven news outlets that really can, at the end of the day, sway people's opinions who are potentially jurors on these cases. Or just harass them in public. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like it. She reminds me a little bit of Pat Robertson, almost Mm -hmm. in a way. Just that same, just like very theatrical 
and has an audience to be able to to preach to that will just follow her. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, she didn't kill anybody, but she has sent some people in for life sentences that maybe weren't killed them spiritually. Killed them spiritually. <laughs> yeah. So my final score for Nancy Grace. Where do you sit, Mikey? So it's always funny. We set the bar usually at killing someone. It's the highest bar, I I think. I believe so. No, absolutely. I think there's a reason we set it there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And like I said, you know, you brought up a good point. She didn't kill anybody with her bare hands, but maybe she did prosecute somebody that was innocent and they are effectively dead because they're locked away in prison forever. Uh, Would that guy, Ricci? Yes. Be dead if he hadn't right. been caught yeah. in her crosshairs. Yeah, I don't know. And then Melinda Duckett, did she kill herself because Grace pushed her? Even if Melinda Duckett did have something to do with her son's disappearance, even if she didn't, the question, like I said earlier, is it's, you know, that's not the time to prosecute a case on national television when there's no evidence that's being discovered at this point. So she has this pathological issue of being this crusader. And that's the problem is it's almost like, she deals in this sort of Manichaean world where everything is like good or bad and there's no gray area in between. And she's obviously like a warrior for the good side. I honestly think that the problem with her is that it is pathological. Like, I don't think she even realizes how fucked up the way she treats these cases is. Oh, absolutely. So she's an unethical uh, attorney. She should have been disbarred in that sense. You know, she's an asshole. So she didn't kill anybody. I think I'm going to go... I'll go the 6.5 as well on this one. All right. So 6.0 for Randy, 6.5 for Buddy, and a 6.5 for Mikey. Bring out a grand total. 6.33 repeating. There you go. All right. There we have it. Grace, guys. Awesome, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. We always appreciate your support. And definitely follow us on all of your favorite platforms. And give us that sweet, sweet five-star rating. Thank you for your support. Join us next time on the next episode of Asshole Court. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more of Asshole Court, find us anywhere you download your favorite podcast. Give us a good rating on your favorite platform. It really does help. You'll definitely want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AHC Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, depending on what you have to say. So until next time, remember the golden rule. Don't be an asshole, or you might find yourself on Asshole Court.